Right, the subject um, this afternoon is righteousness and justification. We're a little bit out of kilt, um, but um, I believe that's the one that's my topic today um, to, to touch on. It's a, I say a nice, easy subject, but it's never easy. It's uh, one of these subjects which I, when I was preparing for, I was thinking, well, it's good if you get unsaved coming in, um, because it's the ideal subject that you can easily tweak, <laughs> uh, because we're talking about Christ, and of course this subject is all about Christ. It is Christ our righteousness, Christ our justification. And whilst it's to you guys, it's not new stuff. Uh, we never fail to benefit from meditation on such subjects. And we've just been doing that again this morning as we've thought about being in the presence of God as a holy priesthood. We are standing there in the righteousness of Christ. And it's not something that we should ever um, take for granted. Although it's a gift, as we'll read in a minute, although it's, it's something that we have not earned, um, it is something that we should have a deep, deep appreciation for continuously in our lives, recognizing uh, the gift but also recognising the utilisation of that gift in our lives, as how do we act out, uh, how do we show forth our, the, the righteousness that we have been given in Christ Jesus. How does it, what does that mean in relation to how we should act, how we should function as Christians, how we should act together if we have been given the gift of righteousness? I'd like you just to turn to Romans. We're going to be talking mainly on uh, in Romans. Um, Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 10, just quickly, just to kick off with, says that there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. So, a starting point. <laughs> uh, for a start, nobody's righteous. And um, I think, again, it's like the, the necessity for us to go back to the beginning, as we thought in prayer this morning, that um, when you think about what Abe, uh, Adam and Eve did, they brought death, they brought sin, they brought separation from God, all into mankind and that's where we start from because uh, and it's a, I think it's always important for us to continually from time to time go back and just appreciate where you've come from that you are, and I are not righteous we have no righteousness therefore we are not justified before God because justification means that we are showing or declaring that a person is just. And so therefore, we've got to be thinking, can we stand before God in our own justification, our own, our own righteousness? Are we justified if we stand before God? And the answer is that we've just read in Romans, no, because no one is righteous. And it's all because of imputed sin that came from 
Adam, and therefore you're born in sin, you are not righteous. So, and that's the, the thing is to focus then, of course, on the person of Christ. So let's just read together. Uh, um, we'll read from verse uh, 21, Romans 3. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. When then... Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness? Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. <coughs> in 1 Timothy 3 and 16, the, the word in, in the NIV that's used is a, a word that's vindicated. You're justified by the Holy Spirit. You're vindicated. It's another word that just means the same, justified. I think, you know, when um, thinking about our appreciation of the opportunities that God avails to us through Jesus Christ, enlightens us and sort of makes you, it gives you that joy that the Bible constantly talks about in appreciation of, first of all, where we came from. And what God is offering us in this, like this morning when we stood before the Lord at the throne, when we came with our offerings before our high, great high priest, which are taken from us and presented to God, you think, how did we get there? 
And what right have we to be there that we are accepted, we are vindicated, we are seen by God and justification sometimes just as if we've never sinned. Because what God sees is not uh, a sinner that's repentant. He sees somebody is without sin. And that is amazing to, to think that that's how God sees us. Because we are in Christ. We have received the gift. And we stand before him righteous. It's with a boldness that we're told to come into his presence. But it's a boldness that comes from the boldness of Christ. Not through any works of our own. And that, that's important, of course, that there's a humility that we need when we come before God because of recognising where we've come from and the fact that we've done nothing to deserve where we are now. But we are asked to come in with a boldness, and that means that don't use that humility to, in a detrimental way. It's because you've been freed from the shackles of sin, because we have been made righteous, because we are justified before God, therefore we have to use that. And it, that's where the boldness comes in. That's where we are instructed that now that you have this, now that you have been freed, now that you are in Christ, then act Faith was um, credited as a righteousness. Now it's it's through faith, and that was goes back to. I mean, Steve was talking about Abraham last week. You touch on him again, is that he is referred to in New Testament scripture as something that he did through faith when God said to him that in his old age and in the old age of his wife they were going to become parents and that their offspring were going to be as numerous as the sand in the sea and the stars in the sky. It says that Abraham believed and that was credited to him. And it's just a picture of salvation is that Abraham at that point, although everything spoke against it naturally, he believed God. And that's our salvation, of course, is that you know, you, you are confronted with uh, something that, if you like, in worldly terms, is not possible. Is that uh, how can you have eternal life in Christ Jesus just by saying, I believe? And of course, it's all through faith. Um, things that can't be proven have to be accepted by faith. Because if they could be proven, there would be no need for faith. And God, of course, demands faith. That's what he's wanting. And that's what happened in Abraham's case. And when Abraham accepted that, it was credited to him. And of course, that righteousness, even then, which was before Christ, was a righteousness that was going to come through Christ. Because I believe that Abraham saw. He saw the provision of God. He saw where the righteousness was going to come from. It was going to come from God himself, his gift. 
We are clothed in garments of salvation. And I just read it in Isaiah 61. We, you, you actually can read about the, this picture, this outward picture of being arrayed. It refers to it in uh, verse 10, in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. A lovely picture, again, just to try and get that vision of what righteousness is all about and justification. It's, it's described here as a garment. It's a garment that you put on and that you are arrayed in something that's given to you. And I think, again, it, we often talk about it in prayer and in, in ministry about putting on Christ like a garment and that when we come before God we are coming in the righteousness is like this robe that we've put on which is Christ and that's what God sees God sees Christ he sees Christ's righteousness and we are clothed and arrayed in him now that is something that I don't think we should ever um, lose sight of, that we can very easily and blasily come before God and be maybe over-familiar with the ease in which we are able to do that. Um, on one hand, I think it's good that we recognise that God has made it easy for us but I think we should never forget the cost and never forget this almost physical putting on of Christ. Whilst we accept Christ as our saviour is a one-off event, I think there's a sense in which we should be just aware of putting him on. Like you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on. It's a little bit like that with Christ. It's just to be aware that we are clothed in Christ and that when we're coming to God in prayer, when we're coming to him in meditation, and we're coming to him in supplication and pleading, and wherever we're coming to him, that we remember we are clothed in Christ, and that that garment is beautiful, because it's all about him. Romans, Romans 1 and verse 16 <coughs> It's just again, just to um, reiterate what I was saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. So whilst this righteousness we receive as a gift um, at our salvation, it's a continuous thing. It is a revelation. 
It has been revealed. And it should be revealed in our lives that people should be able to see Christ in us or to keep focused on righteousness. People should see righteousness in our lives. <coughs> and again, they should be able to see and we should be thinking that they're not, you don't want people looking at David King and saying, isn't David King a righteous fellow? What we want to be able to see is that hasn't David King put on Christ? And do you see the righteousness of Christ in David King? That's how it should be viewed and that's how we who are wearing Christ should be seeking to live our lives as righteous people who have access to God and who are justified. Second Corinthians chapter five, <coughs> another verse just to have a look at. <coughs> there are so many about this, it was quite difficult when you're trying to pin it down to half an hour or so. There's so many different scriptures that we can look at. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five and verse twenty-one. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what I was just saying before is that in him we become the righteousness of God. God made him to be of no sin, who had no sin to be sin. I think again that we thinking about the crucifixion and the Lord Jesus Christ is that mankind's um, judgment on Christ was so far off truth that it's, it's almost it's worthy of amazement really sometimes when you, when you think about it as to the perfect man who was perfect before God, the all-seeing scrutiny of a holy and a righteous God looked on Christ and he was absolutely perfect and man looked on him and accused him of many things. And you see the comparison, of course, between sinful man and the holy God. But this was all in the purposes of God. But it highlights uh, that it's God's righteousness that's looked at here. We should not be seeking um, for justification from men because that's distorted. That is not really worthy of anything to, to receive the adulation and the acclaim of men has got very little value. Uh, and it's, it's self-promoting and it's almost sinful. It is sinful. What we're looking for is that from God is what did God see but then in recognising that in looking at me God sees nothing of worth what he should be seeing is Christ and if he sees Christ and only Christ then we have that justification that is there anyway but it's of course it's our appreciation of it what God sees is Christ that's why we have access and there's nothing we can do to improve that because it's perfect.
the fruit of righteousness which you get in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Um, I won't go through all that again, it's been, um, well, I'm sure it's well known to you all. These are the fruit, the fruit of our righteous living. And again, it's all got to be Christ-centred. Everything has to be seen as being promoted by us being in Christ. And the fruit of righteousness is something that we should be striving for. Not that we have to work to be righteous, but it's seeing it in the person of Christ. And again, we do fall into this trap, I think a lot of us, where you're trying to think about being like Christ is hard work and we have to get digging harder and we have to be working harder when in fact it's a gift. Righteousness is the gift of God. Christ is given to us and it's a case of us opening our minds and our hearts to that and appreciating that with the power of the Holy Spirit in us we can do all things, not by working harder uh, physically, but by just appreciating more. And uh, in the study of the word and in the meditation and in the appreciation of Christ, and we often quote the scripture about the, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Christ is just so eager to be part of our lives and to be supping with us and meditating with us and living with us that he should be the focal part in our life so that in the wearing of him, then it is the righteousness, the fruits, the fruit of righteousness should be just flow from that. It comes from Christ through us. And therefore, the striving that some people go after can sometimes be self-centered when it should in fact be Christ-centered. Um, Ephesians 6 and 14 refers to the breastplate of righteousness and in 2 Corinthians 6 and 7 talks about the armour or the, the weapons of righteousness as a sense of which you're, you're picking up on the battlefield here um, that these scriptures refer to putting on First of all, we thought about putting on the garments, but then to put on a breastplate um, does seem to indicate a necessity in order to repel the enemy. And if you're needing a weapon or you're needing a breastplate, you're needing armour, then what is it that scriptures are teaching us then about righteousness? Is that you have to be aware that there's somebody attacking us, and of course it's Satan. And whilst we are, have been given righteousness, it's been given, but there's a warning with it, is that just be careful, because you have to use that, because Satan is active against this. He wants to prevent us putting on Christ. He wants to fill us with things of this world. He wants to break down this righteousness that we've been given. Um, he wants us to question it, uh, to, to start thinking, well, is, is it really important and what does it, and uh, is my life really necessary for me to live righteously? 
Um, is there, what's the benefits of it? And these questions Satan is attacking us with. Um, and sometimes you might think, well, we're all getting to heaven anyway. We're all going to be uh, getting there because through faith I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour. Therefore, what's the purpose of putting on righteousness? We have been given it, haven't we? As we have just said. So where does this balance come in when we we have the righteousness of Christ, therefore we have access to God, God sees righteousness, we are justified in Christ, but this sense of the armour is a recognition that what Satan's trying to do is to break that down, to put doubts in your mind and to make us less effective and to doubt doubt our faith in many different ways even if you don't doubt your salvation you can sometimes doubt your faith and you start questioning whether God really is interested in us is he really wanting to see this righteousness is there what is it that is so important about living Christ and I think this is where he's saying put on the breastplate and have in your hand the weapons of righteousness because what does that mean? It means being in, immersed and steeped in Christ and that means in the word because the word became flesh so the word is Christ. It means going back to recognise where we've come from as we've talked about and appreciating our salvation appreciating the, the perfect salvation the gospel of God and being so reflecting in that in our lives that we just want to be walking with Christ it's lovely I mean I've mentioned this before I'm sure you know you get you read about you know that he walked with God and then he was not, because God took him. I'd love to meet that guy. In fact, I'm going to meet him one day. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it because you think, what, what is a man? How do you get to that point where I think he was 65 years old when he started to walk with God? And then for 300 years, I think it was, he walked with God in his steps. And he was in tune and he was obedient. And he was enjoying the relationship with God. And to the point when God decided, you don't need to die. <laughs> I'm just going to take you. You might as well just come. Just come with me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful uh, to think that somebody, a sinful man born in sin, was able to get like that. Um, an example to us all. Well, of course, the perfect example is Christ, and uh, who is far superior to you know. And he was able to get to the point when he laid down his life for us. And of course, that's the man that we focus on. Just quickly, um, going on from there. Um, 
it says in James chapter 5 and verse 16 that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't know what you've ever considered about that verse. It's a, it's a good one to meditate on. That, that um, what does, again, it's pointing to, what does the prayer of a righteous person mean in relation to the prayer of someone who's not righteous or not as righteous? We are all righteous in Christ, um, except the Christ as our Saviour. But it says that, you know, the prayer of a righteous one availeth much, and it's somebody who is righteous and is wearing the garments of righteousness, is wearing the armour of righteousness, who is so in tune that it's a bit like the saying about, you know, you get into the mind of God, and then when you're praying, you're praying in the mind of God. So you're not praying saying, I want to be rich, God, can you give me uh, more money? Or, or I want to have a bigger house or a bigger car. You know, that's not in the mind of God. That's not righteous, righteousness in prayer. What you're praying as a, uh, when you're in the mind of God is that you want to be in the will of God. And you're praying, saying, Father, here I am. <laughs> I want you to use me. I have the righteousness of Christ, therefore you can use me because I'm in your eyes, I'm sinless because I'm in Christ. I am justified in your sight, therefore use me. And he will say, right, I want you to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. <laughs> or I have a little purpose for you, whatever it might be. And you just feel humbled that you've been used and that your prayer to him is you get uplifted because you're praying in his will and all you want to do is his will and whatever that might be you're going to accept it and you're going to be at peace because the outcome is his will and it's not a case of I'm asking for this and I'm asking for that and he doesn't give it to me. Therefore, what's the point of prayer? It's a case of in righteousness in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, he prayed in the will of his Father. And he prayed all night. And he prayed sometimes in tears. He prayed with a fervour. But he prayed in his will. And he knew his prayers were being answered. He knew his prayers were being heard. And that gave him the peace. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, you know, this cup could pass away from me. But you see the righteousness of Christ coming out here. He's praying for something that's personal and that he wanted, but it's in the mind of God. And I know your mind, Father, because... I'm here because of your mind and I know your will so your will be done I'll go with it and that subjection to the mind of God is not a case of trying to get things for yourself but to be there for the purposes of God whatever they be and then lastly just um, in closing really just in 2 Timothy 4 and 8 um, 
In fact, we'll just re-read that. <coughs> Again, it's a well-known verse, 2 Timothy 4 and 8. Now there is in store for me, this is Paul speaking, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Again, it's the righteousness of God is not only given to us uh, as a free gift, not only given to us through faith, not only given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's all given to us in Christ Jesus. And we have that. But on top of that, what he is saying as an added incentive, as if we should really need it, is I'll award you a crown of righteousness. What is that? Well, I don't know, but it's a reward. A crown is something that is given as um, to, to applaud the, the actions of someone. Uh, someone has been raised up and appointed and to be crowned you're elevated in the front and in the face of everyone around that sees it that this is something that Paul was expecting this was something that Paul felt he had earned maybe it's something that Paul had been told by through the Holy Spirit that this he was going to receive it but it's not just him that's going to get it it's all who have loved his appearing and love is not just a future tense. So it's not just talking about love, his appearing to the air. It's talking about his appearing that, that it references in scriptures that his coming to the earth was referred to as his appearing. Do we love that? Do we love thinking, meditating, appreciating the appearing of Christ as our saviour? The appearing after he had died he was raised again he appeared and in the future he is going to appear in the air and in the future he's going to come with his armies he's going to appear so we love his appear looking for the blessed hope and appearing of our great god and savior is the future but the appearing is the whole thing and there's a crown of righteousness as an incentive <laughs> for people who are living their lives showing the righteousness of Christ. And to do that, they are loving his presence in their lives. They are loving the garments of righteousness. They are loving everything that they've been covered with, clothed with, and in the outworking of the fruits of righteousness. They are seeing the workings of Christ in their life. And that result of that could be, you'll be rewarded. You're gonna be rewarded for something that's a joy or should be a joy anyway. <laughs> but on top
top of that, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to have a crown. Shall we pray?